Okay, good morning, Boker Tov. Sorry for the delay. Baruch Hashem. We had a bris this morning. Big mazel tov to the Carmelis and their son, David. What a way to spend Tanis Esther with a bris. So uh, again, apologize for the delay, but it was for a simcha. Very grateful to our Parsha sponsors for the series for this year. Becky and Avi Katz and family in memory of, Dr. In memory of David Grossman. Le'ilu Nishmas David Menachem Manish. Also this morning, she was sponsored by Amy and Michael Tarlow in commemoration of Michael's father's first year at sight. Yecheskel Aro ben Achayim Meir, very special man, had the privilege of knowing him. And uh, lastly, a reminder, we are still in the midst of our global campaign. We're only 50% of the way there. Someone could write a check for the other 50% right now. You'll never hear about it again until next year. But unless someone's raising their hand to write that check, if you're a member of BRS, you're more than doing your part. If you're not a member of BRS, please give, give generously. If you enjoy, if you benefit, if you are enriched, if you're uplifted, if you're inspired, don't just send me nice emails, don't just say nice things but actually give something nice in order to help us continue to teach and promote Torah. Parshas Ki Sisa, page 484 in the Art Scroll, Stone Chumash. Vaydaber Shema Moshe Lemor, God spoke to Moshe, Ki Sisa, Zrosh Bnei Yisrael Fkudehem, when you take a census of the Jewish people, how do you take a census? We don't count by name. Why is that? There's an entire uh, big discussion, a big sugya about that question. We use different psukim, which psukim, where do we have the tradition, but we don't identify or count by name, Brings with it an ayin hara. David Amelach maybe was the exception. How do we count with machatzis shekel? Everybody gives a half shekel through the contribution. You see something powerful, by the way. You know what makes you count? When you give. When you give, you're counted. If you don't give, talk is cheap. Giving speaks loudly. So emor maat The words, the compliments, they're lovely. They're amazing. They're nice. They're gratifying. They give tremendous chizuk. But you see what makes you count. What makes you count is when you give. What makes you count is when you give. Venosno ish kofer. Venosno is a palindrome that works both ways because when you give, you receive. Kofer nafsho, bifkoto sum, liabem negev, bifkoto sum. Zeyidnu, kol over al pikudim, achatisa shekel. And how much do you give? We mention this every year. We do not give efficiently. One shekel each would be a very efficient way to give and to count. If everyone gives one shekel, then you count what you have and you know the number of people there are. Instead, we introduce math. By giving a half shekel, all of a sudden there's math, an equation that you have to do. So why not give a full shekel? Why give half a shekel? We've shared many times the insight. None of us are complete, none of us are whole, none of us are full on our own. We're each a half, and it's only when we combine and complement the other that we can become whole. So when we contribute, we need to know that we aren't all it. We aren't everything. We're not complete, we're not whole, we're not a finished product, but rather we're only a half. We are a work in progress. And whatever invaluable role we play in the community, whatever contribution we make to the community, we're only making a partial contribution to the community. And we require the complement and supplement of the other members and leaders of the community. Why don't we make a bracha? Do we make a bracha on this mitzvah? Today, tomorrow, on your way in or out, you may have seen the bowls for the zecher lamach tzashekel. Very important to point out. We know in the month of Adar, we don't actually give a mach tzashekel. That mitzvah is not in force, without a Beis HaMikdash, we give what we call a Zecher. We commemorate, it's a Minag. It commemorates the practice of the Machat HaShekel. It's very important to distinguish between the two, not to suggest or imply that what we're doing is the Mitzvah itself. Do you make a Bracha? Today it's a Minag. Certainly you don't make a Bracha on the Minag. But when the Machat HaShekel was given, when everyone made their contribution, Hashir lo lo It doesn't matter if you're very wealthy, you can't give a lot. The only appeal ever where they said everyone has to give the same only appeal in the history of the Jewish people, where the wealthy were not encouraged or pushed to give more, and the poor couldn't get away with giving less. Everyone had to give the same amount, because it wasn't about, it wasn't about the amount raised, it was about maximum participation. It was about everybody doing their part. It was about everybody being counted by everybody giving. And those monies were used for the communal, uh, the communal sacrifices in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Mishkan. So was there a bracha that was recited? So Otsu Plus Torah quotes, the tshuva of the rash b'chelik alasim and yirches ain mavarchan amitzus machas hashekel. You do not make a bracha on this mitzvah. Why not? When it was in fact a full-fledged mitzvah, make a bracha when you put filin on. Going to make a bracha when we hear the megillah tonight. Why don't you make a bracha when you do this mitzvah of machas hashekel? So the rash says no bracha. Why? Kare ain nosnin klum mishalahem alakom eshem is barach kedechsev v'chemi ani umiyami kinyatzar koch nizadev kazos. You think you're giving of your own? When you give, you're just passing off what really belonged to Hashem all along. We're simply stewards on His money. 
So you don't make a bracha as if you're giving of your own. That would suggest this belongs to me, this is mine, and I'm giving, I'm sharing it with another. Says the Rash, but it's not yours. All that we have is from Hashem. It's all on loan from Hashem. We're simply stewards of it. And therefore you don't make a bracha. However, the Perish HaTfilas Vabrachos, to Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Kar, disagrees with the Rashba. And he writes, quote, Yes, all that we have is on loan from Hashem. But the bottom line is, we are commanded to give it in this circumstance, and we are fulfilling a mitzvah. And when we have a maisa mitzvah, an act of a mitzvah that we do, we make a bracha. So maybe a bracha should be recited on it. But these are things to keep in mind. Not necessarily the machlok is about bracha, but the deeper significance of the machtza shekel. So on your way out, or tonight or tomorrow, when we fulfill the minag. And again, don't use the words, I'm giving a machtza shekel. I'm fulfilling the mitzvah machtza shekel. Mishnabura points out that the poskim are very clear. person has to articulate, it is zecher. It is commemorating. It is not, in fact, the mitzvah, the mitzvah itself. But we're all doing our part. A small contribution. It's only when we combine with another that we can become whole. Isolated, apart, alone, none of us are complete. We are all a journey. That's why, actually, in two weeks ago, it's Pasha and Tetrumah, the Kleyakar points out the dimensions of the Aron, which represents Torah, were fractions. They weren't whole. Why? Some Kalim dimensions are whole numbers. Others are fractions. Because Torah, you're never done. You're never finished product. You're always a work in progress. So therefore, it's a fraction. It's a part of. It's not complete. Similarly, the machtza shekel. I don't completely make a contribution, run the mishkan, can take responsibility or get credit for a korban of the tzibur. It's only in combination with others. It's only when we complement and care to come together that we complete one another, that we can become whole. Perak Lamed, Pasuk Yudtes. Moving right along. We have the, we're introduced to the Kiyor. What was in the Kiyor? Kiyor was made of copper. Base was copper. It was put between the Oamoid and the Mizbeach. It meant the Kohen had to pass it on the way to the Mizbeach. Before a Korban could be offered, they had to see the Kiyor. What was the base of the Kiyor was made out of? Copper. Who gave this copper? Who donated this copper? So the contribution of the women. What was the copper? What did this formally serve as the copper that they donated? It formally served as the mirrors. We've spoken about before, so I want to elaborate now. I want to get to the end of the Parsha. Last week we covered a lot the first half of the Parsha. We never get to the end, so we'll work a little bit backwards today. But we know that the mirror bases, Moshe Rabbeinu objected. He was repulsed by. He said they have no place. These are instruments of vanity. This is what women use to beautify themselves. This is how they made themselves attractive to their husband. This has no place in the Holy Mishkan. And Hashem said, this is the most beloved and sacred to me. This reflects Jewish continuity. This reflects Jewish optimism and positivity. When the men were ready to give up a world that was not worth bringing children into, the women said, uh-uh, we have faith. Hashem will turn things around once again. There is a bright future for our people, and it's worth reuniting, and it's worth bringing children into this world. I've said it many times. The greatest Jewish population explosion took place when and where? Right after the war in the DP camps. An explosion of a birth of Jewish children. After all they had gone through, they had every right to give up, not want to bring children into such a heinous world. And yet, that's Jewish faith, that's Jewish optimism. Some of us are only here because of that optimism they showed to yet have a child, have another child, create a continuity. Kaddish Baruch says these copper mirrors, they're not instruments of vanity, they're instruments of optimism, positivity, faith, and of Jewish continuity itself. Salvechik has a different interpretation, he says, about, these, about the mirror on the base of the Kior. And he says, before you can go to the Mizbeach and bring a sacrifice, you've got to look in the mirror. The mirror is not just an instrument of vanity, the mirror is an instrument of honesty. Too many people fool themselves and kid themselves. We lie to ourselves and we rationalize to ourselves. You can't look in a funny mirror and you can't look in a mirror that makes you look 20 pounds lighter and 20 years younger and you're going to pay extra for the mirror that makes you look the way you want to look. The mirror shows you the way you look. You ever post a picture in your family WhatsApp? Somebody looks at it and says, Ugh, take that picture down. I hate the way I look in that picture. You say, I hate to break it to you. That's the way you look. It's not the way you look in the picture. That's the way you look. The mirror doesn't lie. The picture doesn't lie. That's the way you look. So on the way to the Zbech to bring the Karbon, it's got to be sincere, it's got to be genuine, it's got to be authentic. It can't be based on the version of yourself you wish you looked like. It has to be based on the version that reflects reality, who we really are. Introspection, self-reflection, 
honesty and chesh ben nefesh. They're all part of the process on the way to bringing that carbon. We have to be real. We have to be honest with ourselves. What happens then? Aaron and his sons wash in that basin, in that laver. What do they wash? Their hands and their feet. When they come in, they wash their hands so that they do not die. And the question is, today, we imitate. Today, we imitate this practice. Excuse me, when do we imitate this practice? Every morning when we wake up. Negavasar. Today, a minor fast day. Even today, Tainus Esther. A lot to say about Tainus Esther, but by the time most people listen to the Pasha class, it'll be Ois Purim. So I won't take the time. But today's not a sad fast day. You have to know what the avoda of today is. So for 30 seconds. The rush writes, you can't have a fast day before a holiday. Normally the day before a holiday, we don't say tachanum, we don't say hespedim. And here you have Tanis Esther, which was instituted to be the day davka before the holiday. It seems incongruous. And mincha today, we'll read Vayacha, we'll read the Haftorah, but we won't say tachanun because it's Erev Eyantif of Purim. So how can we have a fast day in Erev Purim? Makes no sense. And the Russia has several other questions. But his answer to it all is, unlike other fast days, which are sad and somber, which reflect destruction and devastation, which are meant to motivate tshuva, this fast day is part of the holiday of Purim. How do you celebrate Purim? So tonight and tomorrow, we know how we'll celebrate. But what precipitated Purim? Lech kenosis kol alai. Go gather everyone and fast. If you want to be able to sit at a suda, you can't just observe part of Purim. You don't just get to have the part where you drink and you eat and you give and you get gifts and matanos laviyonim and you hear the Megillah. You have to, the complete package includes not just the celebration, but what enabled or empowered or drove the celebration was the Jewish unity and the fact that we fasted, we came together. Today is a day of great Jewish unity. It's not a sad fast, it's a happy fast, the Rush writes. It's a happy fast that we're displaying that once again, we're coming together to care about our people, to daven for our people, and to hope for our people. So, we wash our hands every morning. Even on a minor fast day, we wash Negovasa. And the Rashba, second Rashba of the day, Chilagasa and Kuftsa the Aleph, writes the reason for Nitzilas Yadayim Shacharis. We have a Machlokas Rishon, the Shnebur brings it down. Is it because Yadayim Askani Yosem, our hands are very active and busy while we sleep? So maybe we scratched our head, maybe we scratched our back, maybe we touched our feet. Maybe our hands went someplace which would require us to wash our hands before we daven. Is that why we wash our hands in the morning? And if that's the reason, what if you sleep with gloves? If you sleep with gloves and then you take the gloves off in the morning, you don't have to worry about Yadayim Askanio saying, do you still have to wash Negavasar? Can you learn Torah or say a bracha even before you washed your hands? So the Rashba gives a different reason. Every morning we wake up, we're like a coin. We are a mamlachas koanim. The same way that the priests are the religious leaders and teachers of a particular people, we the Jewish people are the mamlachas koanim. We are the priests and the teachers and the religious leaders of the world. That when we wake up in the morning, whether you're a rabbi, whether you're a machanech, whether you're a rebetzin, doesn't matter who you are and what you do, what your profession, what your career, whether you're retired, our mission and our mandate, our charge in this world is to be the kohanim of the world, the mamlachas kohanim. So just like the kohanim in the Mishkan would wash their hands before they began the avodah, we wash our hands every morning, negel vaser, in order to condition ourselves to realize, I'm a kohen. You're not getting the first aliyah, don't get too excited. You can't duchen, don't get too excited. You're not a kohen, but you're a kohen, you're part of the mamlachas kohanim. You're part of the nation of priests, that when you go to work, and when you go to the supermarket, when you go to the gym, and when you encounter and engage the world, we are the priests of the world. And how do we remind and prepare ourselves? Just like the Kohen was Mekadesh's hands by washing them before the Avoda, our life is an Avoda. And the world is our Mishkan. And our Avoda is to make a Kiddush Hashem to be Marbek Vod Shamayim. Our Avoda is to bring everyone closer to Hashem and to reveal His name, to give Him a place at Dira B'Tachtonim. And before our Avoda, like the Kohen, we the Mamlechas Kohenim, our Makadish, we wash Negovasar, we wash our hands. So the Machetz Shekel, a great name for this week's Parsha and for today's Minog, writes, So we wash Negovasar in the morning. Why don't you have to limber up, stretch, and not only wash your hands in the sink? Why don't you have to lift your feet and put them in the sink too? We'd all be in so much better shape. Our hamstrings would be nice and loose. Imagine if you had to lift your foot, put it on the vanity, hang it over the sink, take the cup, the negalasa cup, and wash over your foot, not only over your hands three times, 
I guess you do your feet one by one. It'd be pretty impressive if you could do both at once. Your feet, you do one by one. But imagine, imagine the calisthenics, the stretching that would be needed every morning. So why don't we, why aren't we Mekadish Raglov? If we're imitating what this Pasuk says, and the Pasuk says, why aren't we Mekadish Raglov? says, you know why? Because you're not a Kohen. We are like Kohanim. We're similar to Kohanim. We have a mission and a mandate to follow to Avoda of our lives, but to not confuse, to not get too high on ourselves. No, you're not a Kohen. So we imitate, but not completely. Machatzisa shekel. A machatzisa imitation. We wash our hands to get ready for the Avoda called life, but not our feet. But the Tshuva Zerav Pa'alim, Chilik Beis, the Ben Ishchai, gives a different reason. In the name of the Yafa Shah. If we're imitating them, why not? Go all the way. Not just wash our hands, wash our feet. So he says, Our feet represent much more engagement with this world. Our feet are what give us independence. Our feet are how we walk around the world, experience the world, absorb the world. Our feet are responsible for our busyness. You remember Avram wouldn't allow the angels into his tent before they washed their what? Their feet. Their feet was their busyness, their activity, their feeling or false sense of independence. So in the Mikdash, the Kohanim had the energy, the power, the spiritual power to be able to wash that impurity, that contamination from their feet. So it says, So we don't have that ability. The best we can do is cleanse and prepare and elevate our hands, our feet, we don't have that ability. When do we have the ability, says the Ben Ishchai? When do we have the ability? On the Erev Shabbos. On the Erev Shabbos. Because on Erev Shabbos, we're going to transition from this world to me'in olam haba, we're going to enter the sanctity, not in space, but in time, called Shabbos. Also in the sixth parsha, we'll get to in a moment. So the halacha is, we say it, we have an obligation, Erev Shabbos, we're rochets, yadayim v'raglayim. We wash our hands and our feet, panav yadayim v'raglayim, our face, our hands and our feet. Salonimer and the Shalom, all the chassid, the shvarim say, it doesn't just mean we wash, it means we purify. Our face, we put on our Shabbos panim, panay Shabbos nekabla. Our hands, we elevate our hands. And the air of Shabbos, as we're extracting ourselves from the busyness and the materialism and the conquest of this week, and we're entering a passive place of faith and of intimate rendezvous with Hashem, now we can wash not only our hands, but also our feet. And that's why, Panav Yadavaraglov, an air of Shabbos, when it says to wash them, it doesn't just mean wash them physically. It doesn't just mean take a shower, a bath on Erev Shabbos, wash them physically. We spoke about this in turn Friday into Erev Shabbos. But it means spiritually. A person should have mindfulness. Mindfulness in the shower. Mindfulness when you're getting dressed for Shabbos. Mindfulness when you're cutting your nails for Shabbos. We went through it all in Bayam Derachacha. Each of these acts of getting ready for Shabbos are further acts of elevating out of this world and going to another place. Then Havdalah is coming back out of that place, transitioning back into this world, re-entry. Shabbos can't just happen on its own. Lasos is a Shabbos, our Pasha says. You have to make Shabbos, you have to create Shabbos. Lasos. When the sun goes down on Friday, ask the Frisco kid, it's Shabbos. That's it. It's over. That happens automatically, it happens on its own. But the feeling, the panemius, the energy of Shabbos, that, that depends on our mindfulness, our consciousness, our effort. So you don't just take a shower, yell and scream, did you take a shower, it's your turn, did you leave any hot water for me? Erev Shabbos is not just a time that you're going through the physical motions. Did you shop, did you cook, did you set the table, did you set the leichter? Each of these acts has a holy, holy, mindful invitation opportunity. We can elevate, get out of the vach, get out of the weekday, the weekday that's filled with to-do lists and tasks and trauma and anxiety and worry and fear and disappointment and failure. We have the ability to climb step by step out of that weekday and to go into a place called Shabbos, Me'in Olam Haba, to immerse ourselves in a place. There are no to-do, there are no tasks, there is no technology. All there is is to be with ourselves, the best version of ourselves, the peaceful, tranquil, serene version of ourselves, to be with our family, to be with the Ribbon Shalom. So how do you get there? It doesn't happen like that. 
you have to make the effort. And the effort is, a person has to wash. So we imitate, every day we wake up, we wash Nagavasar, our hands, we engage the world as the Mamlechas Kohanim, but come Friday afternoon, we leave the weekday, and we enter a place called Shabbos Kaidish. And we do that, by being not just a shower, not just a good shower, but it means a good spiritual shower. We're trying to purge whatever contaminants. We looked at the wrong things. We heard the wrong things. We've said the wrong things. We pursued the wrong things. How do I cleanse myself of that? That's why many of the many men, I got in trouble last week in the parsha class. I said, when a yid puts on tefillin, so I got a whole email. A yid doesn't put on tefillin. Men put on tefillin. Half the yid and don't wear tefillin. So when a man goes to the mikvah on Erev Shabbos, how do I get in trouble? It's Tanis Esther. I'm just going to keep going. So when a, when a man goes to the mikvah on Erev Shabbos, it's also being to, to be able to grow, it doesn't happen on its own. It takes, it takes effort. It takes effort. Okay, let's keep going. I said I was going to do the end of the Pasha. So we're going to work a little bit backwards. I don't want to run out of time like I usually do, so we'll work a little bit backwards. Skip to the end of the parsha. It's okay? If you read the Megillah Lamafreya Liyotza, you're not fulfilled if you read the Megillah out of order. But if you learn the Pasha out of order, it doesn't say you're not Yotze. It's still a Pasha class. So we're going to go out of order. Stick with me. Keep you on your toes. Go to the end of the parsha. Perak Lama Dalet Pasal Chavtes. 3429. Page 514, the last page of our parsha. Vayib Moshe Moshe we know our parsha has the terrible chayta egel, the terrible failure of the Jewish people, unfaithfulness and infidelity in that moment of great union with Hashem. And Moshe then is invited back up, 40 days, 40 nights. He doesn't eat, he doesn't drink. He gets a second set of luchos and he comes down. And this time when he comes down, what happens? He doesn't even realize it, that the skin of his face became radiant when Hashem spoke to him. What does that mean? The skin of his face became radiant when Hashem spoke to him. Karen Or. So we know Rashi tells us, where did this radiance come from? The Medrash tells, Moshe Rabbeinu Kimel, Eskarnei Ahod, Aydei Shehever Aroshei, Mehadiyo, Shenishtayar Bekumus, Shekosobah Torah. He had a quill with ink that he wrote and transcribed the Torah that Hashem dictated to him, but there was some ink left over. And with the ink that left over, it became the rays of light. You know, Middle Age Renaissance art that depict Jews with rays of light that got misinterpreted that Jews have horns. Moshe Rabbeinu, the rays of light that came out of his head, misinterpreted that Jews have horns. Where did those rays of light come from? The Karan Or, that came from the extra ink. Now the question is, extra ink? Where did the quill come from with the ink? The Rebona Shalom. Rebona Shalom is precise. He's perfect. He doesn't miscalculate. There's no extra ink. There's no extra ink in the cartridge left over. There's never extra ink in the cartridge left over. There's always not enough ink in the cartridge. But the Rebona Shalom gets it exactly right. Baruch didn't know exactly how much ink that he ran out. So the Ramami Pano and his Aseros Ma'amaros answers, Where was the extra ink from? Kodesh Baruch didn't miscalculate, but he pivoted, he made a change. What change? The book of Vayikra opens with a wrestling match between Hashem and Moshe. Moshe says, don't write Vayikra. Vayikra sounds like you called me special. It's going gonna, it's gonna to inflate my ego. It's going to give me honor I don't deserve. Moshe is the most humble of all people. Write Vayakar, like with Bilam. Write that you happened upon me. It was chance. It was random that you made me the leader. Kodesh Baruch says, are you crazy? I'm the Rebona Shalom, the creator of the world. I recruited you. I chose you. Vayikra, I called to you. Each of us has a calling. Moshe, people will think life is random and chance. They need to know that just like I called you, each of them has a calling. They went back and forth and back and forth. They wrestled until they compromised. And what was the compromise? An Aleph Ze'ira. Aleph Ze'ira. The Medrash says this is the reason we have a minog. Children begin learning Torah where? From Sefer Vayikra. Why? Because the Aleph Ze'ira, Ze'ira means small. The Aleph Ze'ira, Moshe says, fine, he gives in. You can write the Aleph Vayikra, make it small. So it can read Vayikar. So from that expression, that demonstration of humility, that the Aleph was Ze'ira, that's Vayikra. That's maybe where the extra dio, the extra ink came from. 
Maybe that's where the extra ink came from. Just tell you, Zira connected to Purim. Tell you a great Purim for it. The Weinberger Shlita is here. He was here for the bris with the Sandik this morning. So I heard from him the following. It's from many Hasidish as far as say. The mitzvah, the mitzvah to drink on Purim till you can no longer distinguish between Haman and Mordechai. It's a big topic for another time. But the Gemara then tells a story. Rabbi got up and he drank too much of the Purim Suda and he shechted, he killed Rabbi Zera. The next day he davened for him and Rabbi Zera came back to life. Fast forward a year later, Rabbi says, remember the Purim Suda? It was so geschmack. It's gewaldic. Where are we having it this year? By you, by you, me. Rabzera looks at him and he says, it's not every year that it's Rachesh Lenisa, it's not every year that a miracle is going to happen. Let me know, let me know Shushan Purim how your Purim Suda was. I'm not having Suda with you this year. Not every year a miracle happens. And the Rishonim all have a debate. Why did Gemara bring the story after Rava came to teach the Din? Rava says, Rava teaches you have to drink on Purim, you have to lose yourself on Purim until you can no longer tell the difference between Haman and Mordechai. Then we have a story, Kam Rabba, not Rava, Rabba kills Rabzera. Then Rabbi Davin's form, Rabbi Zera comes back to life, and he says, next year you're on your own, we're not having Suda together. Some Rishonim say, why did the Gemara tell the story? In order to tell you that the din doesn't apply. You see what happens if you drink too much, Rava, it was a nice idea, a nice thought, don't do it. Don't drink too much, look what happens. Others say, no. You see, he wanted to still have a Suda the next year, he was going to drink again, you see the din still applies. And the Ramah quotes from the Rambam, that the proper practice is to drink enough that you get sleepy, you take a nap while you're sleeping. You don't know the difference between Haman and Mordechai. Others are more machmir, mahadr in this mitzvah. They want to be mekayim, adaloyada, bishle musa. Whatever your minag, whatever your practice, I said it's a big topic for another time. However, what does it mean? Kam raba, vishachta l'rabzeira. So Svarim HaKadoshim say, you know, every one of us has a Zaira in front of us. We see the small part of who we are. I'm a small, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody. And then there's the Rabbah. There's the greatness in us. There's the possibility of greatness in us. There's the potential. There's who we could be. There's who we're meant to be. When Purim comes, Kam Rabbah, Shechta L'Rabzeira. The Rabbah in us has to Shecht the Zaira in us, the Zaira in us. The big part of who we are the part that we're capable of, the bigness in us, the greatness in us, the possibility in us, the potential in us, has to shecht the zeira, the zeira in us, the smallness in us, the part that thinks that we're inadequate, inconsequential, invisible, incapable, in, in not of any value. The kam rabba v'shecht zeira. We have to destroy the zeira in us. So the olive zeira, maybe that's where the extra ink came from. Moshe Rabbeinu says... Don't write Vayikar, Vayakar. They compromised, they made the olive small. The Peshel of Krak and the Sefer Hanukkah Satorah, this is all quoted in the Otsuplo Satorah, gives a different answer. Where did the Dio come from? Last week's Pasha should have included Moshe's name, but it didn't. Why? Because in our Pasha, he says, Erase me from your book. Forgive the people. Forgive them for the Chet Egel. If not, erase me from your book. It says Moshe was humble, there's no Yud. So a lot of suggestions, where did this, where did this extra ink come from? The Sefer Harsinai quotes from another source. The Gemara Baba Basra tells us, Moshe wrote the whole Torah except for the last eight Psukim. The last eight Psukim, which Moshe wrote with his tears, not with ink. So therefore, because Moshe wrote the last eight Psukim, which tell what happens after he dies, he wrote them with tears, not ink. Therefore, there was ink left over. Maybe that is the extra ink. Maybe that's the extra ink. Rasalovichik has a different interpretation. Listen to what the Rav says. Zok the Rav. Why did Moshe develop this radiance only after bestowal of the second luchos? How come when he came down the first time from the mountain, he didn't have horns? He didn't have light shining out. Why was it only the second time he came down? You know, Lahavdil Elif Alfe Avdalas again. For a long time you learned the parsha, you didn't current or what does that even mean? How do you project rays of light? What does that look like? But now you drive down ninety-five, is it ninety-five, the turnpike? And you see the hard rock, the guitar at night, projects the light up in the sky, Lahavdil Elif Alfe Avdalos, and even more. But we can imagine we have the ability to project light. So Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from the mountain, the people see him, but they don't see a human being, they don't see a simple face. They see somebody whose face is radiating, radiating this light. Why didn't that happen the first time? The first time he came down with the first luchos. Where was the light show then? 
The answer said the Rav lies in the difference between the Torah Shebechsav and Torah Shebaapeh, the written Torah and the oral Torah. In receiving the written laws represented in the first Luchos, Moshe acted as a messenger in delivering them to the people. The radiance on Moshe's face, however, suggests that after he received the second Luchos and the oral law, Moshe absorbed the Torah into the essence of his personality. He now personified the Torah and in effect had been transformed into a living Sefer Torah. This happened only on Yom Kippur, when he ascended with the second set of Luchos and received the Torah Shabbat Peh. True identification with the Torah, which leads to Kedushas HaGuf, cannot be reached through the Torah Shabbat but only through the Torah Shabbat Peh. The radiance that emanated from Moshe was due to the Kedushas HaGuf. A Tamachacham, somebody who engages with Torah Shabbat Peh, is, is transforms themselves. The opening Pasuk of Telem, the opening parak of Telem. No, what does it say? Uvisoraso kim betoras Hashem chefzo uvisoraso yege yomam balayla betoras Hashem chefzo person whose chef whose desire whose longing is for the Torah Hashem. Then what happens once they engage it, they learn it. Once they find their place, sin chalkenu besorasecha. Person makes and finds their chelak in the Torah shabbat their interpretation, their analysis, their chazara, their memory, they're making it part of who they are. They're absorbing it. They're living it. They're being transformed, not just to somebody who learns Torah, to but becoming what? A ben or a bas Torah. You could be a person who learns Torah. is different than being a ben or bas Torah. To learn it in such a way, to engage it in such a way that it becomes part of who you are. It's the filter through which you see and experience the world. It is what informs and inspires every decision, every priority, every value, every part of our life. So to become one with Torah is altogether different than to be learning Torah. To be learning Torah. So the first luchos represent Torah Shebech Sav. Torah Shebech Sav is something separate that we learn. It's a book, it's a part, it's separate, and we learn it. Torah Shebech Peh, that becomes who we are. It becomes part of our very life. To engage, to study, to learn becomes part of who we are. Kedushas HaGufa transforms us, makes us into a Ben Torah or a Bas Torah, our relationship with with the rabbinic Torah community, with the, with the ongoing, with the ongoing development of Torah learning and the ongoing development of Torah living. I reserve the right to use this another time, but last week I was listening to a podcast, a brilliant, brilliant person, non-Jew, and he talked about the distinction between, he used the word reading, I'm going to replace it with the word learning. You can learn for information and you can learn for transformation. There are two ways that you can read or two ways that you can learn. You could read or learn for information or you could read or learn for transformation. We'll develop this more another time. I think tragically in our schools too much we're teaching to read for information. Memorize, spit back, and we're not transforming. So we have generations now of young people who can spit back incredible amounts of information, who don't sleep at night because their yeshivas and girls' schools and seminaries are, are unbelievably rigorous and testing, and they have to memorize incredible amounts of information. But are we teaching to learn for information, or are we teaching to learn for transformation? When do you get radiance and rays of light? when you learn for transformation. When you read for information, you look the same way as you did before. Because you just, it's information. It's cerebral, it stays above the neck. We gotta read for transformation, that it transforms who you are. Rabbi Bar Nachman said that Moshe was writing the Torah, a little ink was left on his pen, which he pressed over his face. The leftover ink was the source of his radiance. As much as the Gadol Hatob B'Torah writes and presents his ideas publicly, most of his Torah remains unspoken. He's unable to pass all that he knows on to others. This is in accordance with what Rabbi Lezer said to his students, the Gemara in Sanhedrin. He says, Lamalati Harbe, but... The Torah I learned from my teachers is akin to a dog lapping at the sea. The Torah that Moshe was unable to pass on to others, the greatness that remained with him is what Moshe's face, is what gave Moshe's face its radiance. The halacha states that every letter in a Torah scroll must be completely surrounded by blank parchment to symbolize that as much as written in the scroll, there's far more Torah that's not given to in writing. However, a mount, a tamachacham or teacher, you know, for one hour of teaching, there's four hours of preparation. For one hour of what they communicated, there are endless hours of more that remains inside them. A real Gadol B'Torah, a real Talmud Chacham, not an imposter that you come to the class of. But a real Talmud Chacham, a real teacher, there's so much more depth and there's so much more knowledge and there's so much more they have to share. What we see 
is the tip of the quill. What we see is the little bit of ink. There's a lot of ink that's left over, and that's their radiance. The radiance is how much is still inside them that they've not given over, that is still part of who they are that they haven't shared with the world. That is how the Rav understood the Karen Or that emanated from Moshe. Dafka, the second Luchos, not the first Luchos. And where did that ink come from? We saw maybe it came from the little Aleph. Maybe it came from that his name was erased in last week's parsha. Maybe it came from the missing Yud in the word Anav. Maybe it came from the last day Pesukim of the Torah. And the Rav suggests it came from the fact that so much more was inside Moshe. Even though he's Rabbeinu, even though Moshe transmitted the Torah as we know it, there was still so much more inside him that he never gave over. And now the Otsuplos Torah moves over to a fascinating other subject. The Medrash on our parsha says, Hatam Shazacha Moshe Rabbeinu Krinas Or Panav. Why did Moshe merit this radiance, this light, from his face. He was the Shadchan. What was the Shad? What would happen at Matan Torah? Matan Torah was, the mountain was held over their head like a, like a chuppah. We received the Torah. Who stood under it? The Chassan and Kala. Who were the Chassan and Kala? Knesset Yisrael and Hashem, the Jewish people and Hashem. Who was the Shadchan? Every time there's a good couple, there's a Shadchan. Who made the Shidduch? Who was the Shadchan? So you at Sinai, adopt a Sharchan, while you connect, 10K, what's that called? Bata Yisrael. What's the, which, which service? Who gets the credit? Every, every Sharchan wants the credit. Sometimes you have big machlokas who gets the credit. Multiple people get the credit, it's like nobody got the credit. You gotta get the credit alone. Who gets the, who was the Sharchan? This is also connected to Purim. Because the Megillah says, Kima Vakiblu Ayhudim, the Jewish people received, Kima Mashakiblu Kvar. The first time we received it out of coercion, the mountain was held over our head. The second time we received it, voluntarily, passionately, enthusiastically. <coughs> we spoke about it at Shal Shudas this past week. So who was the Shad? The Shadachin? It's like the Medrash. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu. Umikan yesh makor neman And this is the source that the Shadachin gets Shadachanus. We learn all the menhagim of a wedding from Matan Torah. So this is one of them. He was the chassan next to the kala, we were the kala. And who was the shadchan Moshe? The shadchan has got to get paid. It's a halacha. It's actually brought down in Shulchan Aruch. Most people think it's some nice thing that Shulchanim came up with. But it's a halacha. And it's good. An investment in the Shalom bias of this couple is to make sure the Shulchanim is taken care of. There's many, many, many tshuvas. There's countless halachic responsa about how much do you have to give, what if you didn't give, how long can you still give, who gets, if there were multiple people who claim that they were the Shulchanim. It's halachic literature on the subject. But this is the makkah, the source. Moshe was rewarded with this radiance, these rays of light, because he was the shadchan who introduced the chassan and kala under Harsinai at the end of our parsha. The Maharil writes, He says, this is the source. This is what Hashem does. Because we know there was a matrona shalas, Rabbi Yosi bar Chalafta. After Kodesh Baruch created the world, it took him only six days. We're nearing on 6,000 years of creation. What's he been doing? He's retired under a palm tree in Boca Raton, sipping pina coladas. What's he been doing? Playing shuffleboard? Majan, early bird special? What's he doing? So the Medrash says, what has he been doing? He's mezavik zivugim. Kodesh Baruch Yosef mezavik zivugim. He's sitting and he's mezavik zivugim. Kodesh Baruch is making matches. He's a shadchan. So you see, if that's what worth his spending his time on, that's worth our spending our time on. Many gedolei Yisrael, as busy, as occupied, preoccupied as they were, as much as was on their plate, as much as they were carrying Klal Yisrael, they never absolved themselves of getting involved in Shidduchim, of trying to make Shidduchim. Now, also not for now, we've introduced layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of unnecessary obstacles and difficulty and impediments that hurts the chassan and kala, but also hurts shadchanim and makes many of them drop out. Who wants to be so involved at such a level that it's such a pain that it makes it difficult? 
People don't get, whatever, I'm not going to get into it now. But you want to imitate a Kaddish Baruch Hu, persevere and break through and follow up because the reward is great. Because this is what, this is what he writes. A person has to be careful not to exaggerate. You have to be precise and accurate. You have to, you have to follow through. Where does the term Shadchan come from? We all know that term. We all know the term. Shidduch, Shidduchim, Shadchan. Where does Shidduchim come from? That, that Shoresh. Where does it come from? Does it mean together? Shin, Dalad, Chaf? Where does it come from? We all use that word. Have we ever thought of where it comes from? So listen to what he writes. Shoresh Tevas Shidduch V'Shadchan. One possibility is it comes from Sheket Umanucha. The Rana Masecha Shabbos says, Shidduch Ba'aramis Milashon Sheket Umanucha. Quiet and peace. Something no Shadchan has. As the Pasuk says in Shoftim, and the Targum there says, "V'shaduchas ara, v'lachen nikra zivog ish ve'isha b'lashon shiruch." Shaisha nimtzeis b'shekin u'menucha, k'shi yosheves be'beis baila. K'tachzav yitin Hashem lachem mutzam menucha isha beis isha. We want them to find each other, to have peace and quiet, to build a home. So shiduchim is milashon sheket. The Targum on sheket is shiruch, peace and quiet and serenity and happiness. The Balamor Masech Shabbos says the word shidduch is milashon kshira. Kalashon shidduch milashon kshira. It means to tie together, to intertwine, to tie the knot. Marriage is tying the knot. So to tie the knot. Shidduchim is literally to tie the knot. That's how the Balamor understands. The Sefer Magda Yeshua's Malko brings from, brings from Chasidah uh, Shesfarim. Shadduchim is Rashi Tevos. Kishiber daltos nechoshech. You have to break through metal doors. Because in order to make a shidduch, my wife says, the joy that you used to feel when a shidduch closed, when a couple got engaged, today is the joy that you have when one couple agrees to go out one time. <laughs> the effort it takes to persuade the questions you have to answer, the reference checks, the FBI interrogations, the follow-ups, how many times you have to text and call them before anyone has the courtesy to get back to you, and both sides finally agree, and you have to decide they can't talk to each other, God forbid, where they're going to meet or what they're going to do that night, or if they're running late. You have to, what it takes to get them to the first date used to be what it was to get them to the chuppah. So it's, is it a shock and people don't want to Engage in it, that we have a crisis. This is a crisis of our own making. I could write a book about it. And that's where the word Shadchan comes from. Kishiber daltos nechoshech. You got to break through a metal door to get them to go out once. It's also brought down. Shagar b'fiha olam. Sheker dover kesef notel. Shadchan is an acronym it stands for. Sheker dover speaks falsehood. Kesef notel and then gets paid well. Shadchan is an acronym for Sheker Dover, Kesef Notel. Speaks lies, gets paid well. See the Sefer Maimare Admor Azakin from the Rebbe Balatanya. Okay, maybe giving it a positive spin. The Sefer Butsina de Nahora to the Rebbe, Rebbe of Mejbez, says, Kishimaschina Daber. When a person shows that positive light, the holy light of trying to make a shidduch, the sitra achra works in the opposite direction. The sitra achra goes to work in the opposite direction. So, there's all kinds of mixed energies involved in a, in a shidduch, it takes a lot of breakthrough to be able to get there, to be able to get there. So anyway, fascinating, where does the word come from? Moshe Rabbeinu is the first shadchan, Kla Yisrael and Hashem. He gets shadchanas, this is a makor, for not the minag, but the halacha, they have to give shadchanas. Where does the word itself shadchan come from? So the ran says it comes from sheket, umanucha. The balamor says kshira, to tie the knot. 
The Sefer Magdish was Yah. Uh, Marco says, from the Pasuk and Tillam, it's an acronym, you got to break through a metal door. And the, uh, the, the Amcha, the Oilam says, it's an acronym for Sheker Dover, Kesav Notel, the work of every good Shadchan. Is there a value to being a Shadchan for a non-Jew? You know two non-Jews, you're going to make a Shadach between them. Is there a value? The Chavaz Yar, of Yar Bachrach, was asked to Shaila, Shadchanas L'Nachrim, Shadchanas L'Nachrim. I know a couple, the opposite. I know a couple, I used to babysit for their uh, children. They were set up from two Asian people who were friends and worked in separate companies and they each knew these two Orthodox Jews. And they said, I know an Orthodox Jew. I know an Orthodox Jew. And they set up these, these two non-Jews, set up the two Orthodox Jews they knew. Baruch Hashem. Har shluchum lamakom. I don't know if they got shalchanas. That's a shayla. Do you have to give shalchanas to a nachri? That's a shayla. But what about the opposite? Should you set up non-Jews? So the, the Chavaz Yar writes, HaMezavik Begoyim Ein Eser, Umilanu Gadol Me'arambam, She'asa Lagoya Rafua Sheteled Kemosh Kozva Rashba. We know the Ramban, who used his powers to help a non-Jew who was struggling with infertility have a child. The Rashba quotes that the Ramban did. If the Ramban thought that was a good use of his time, then it's a good use of our time to also make Shaduchim among non-Jews. Mikomakum Kibaltim Pigadolim Zgenos Kemesasik Be'ila Vayatsi Naki Mizar Shemakdiach Tavshilo. However, he quotes from holy sources that maybe it's not the best way to use your time. So we ask Rechaim Kanievsky Zatzal, whose Yerzai is coming up this week. Can you be a Sharchan for two non-religious, non-observant? What's the question? They're Jews. Why wouldn't you want to? <coughs> What's the question? They're not going to observe Taras Mishpacha. So maybe Nida is an Isr Karis, a very severe prohibition. If you're going to introduce them, and they're going to have a union, and they're not going to observe the laws of family purity, Taras and Mishpacha, maybe it's a disservice. So Reb Chaim answered, it's not Aser, but maybe it's not a good idea. Not Aser, still Jewish people, you want to introduce them, introduce them and encourage them to keep Taras and Mishpacha. If you didn't listen to last week's Behind the Bima, you have to. Rav Uri Tiger was a, grew up as a secular Jew in Tel Aviv. Going to the public pool on Shabbos, watching TV, he told us, addicted to television on Shabbos, and then he became... A Chavrus of Rav Chaim, he was the editor of the last, of the Sfarim of Chaim for the last 20 years. How did he go from the, the kid being Machal Shabbos in Tel Aviv to Rav Chaim's Chavrusa? Listen to Behind the Bima, it's an amazing, amazing story. Honor Rav Chaim on his Yerzeit by listening to, uh, to his story. It's really, really fascinating. So Moshe Rabbeinu was the, was the Shadchan, the first Shadchan. Okay, we're moving backwards in the Parsha. Perak Lamedal Pasuk Zion. So after the Chayta Egel, Moshe Rabbeinu Davins to Hashem. And he introduces the Yidgam Omidos, what we use ourselves. We said them this morning in Slichos. We said them this morning in the Slichos of the Tainus, of uh, Tainus Esther. So that's the formula. And we know with this formula, it's the winning formula. Hashem says, if you say this formula, I can't help but forgive. And in the formula, we have Venake, Lo, Yenake. What does that mean? We describe Hashem. Kosh preserver of kindness, thousands of generations, forgiver of sins of iniquity, willful sin and error, nake lo yinake, and who cleanses, but does not cleanse completely. You heard those words, you've said those words a million times, what do they mean? Nake lo yinake. So Rav Volba, the Hilliger of Volba, is Aleshur Chelek Aleph, he says, the last of the Yud Gimel Nidos, v'nake lo yinake, just said him this morning. We say them every minor fast day. We say them throughout the days of Slichos, Haser Simei all the way through Ni'ila Yom Kippur. So we might as well, there's a little bonus sitter snippet. A tinus sitter snippet. Slichos sitter snippet. Nake lo yenake. What does that mean? The literal translation is he cleanses, but not completely. It's obscure. What does that mean? The Targum adds a few words to elucidate. Targum says, he cleanses those who return to the Torah and does not cleanse those who do not return to the Torah. As I zog the Targum. Targum says, He cleanses those who return, does not those who don't. So Targum introduces, says Revolba, to a new way of understanding the concept of tshuva. The prevalent, the usual custom, the usual way to understand tshuva is that what? That you return to the Torah. You return to Hashem, rather. What's tshuva? The root of the word tshuva is lashuv, to return. To whom are you returning? To? Hashem. What's the Targum saying? What are you returning to? Torah. 
Because how did you get so far away from Hashem? Because you became distanced to His Torah. If you skip a day and you don't learn Torah, you can't go three days without drinking water. You can't go three days without learning Torah. You can't go a day without learning Torah. Torah is, it's our life. It's what gives us that radiance, that light. It's what makes us a banner, a bas Torah. It becomes ours. It's our nourishment. It's our nutrition. So you see, what is the source of tshuva? It's not lashuva lashem. It's not returning to Hashem, but it's returning to His instruction manual. It's returning to His formula. It's returning to His prescription for life. And then we'll find Him. Where else do we see this? You said it also this morning. Where else do we see it? You'll say it again this afternoon. And again tonight. Hashiveinu avinu l'sora secha. The bracha of tshuva, hashiveinu avinu, is not bring us close to you. What's it bring us close to? Your Torah. Hashiveinu avinu l'sora secha. You see that, where do averos come from? The mistakes, the miscalculations, the poor judgment, the indiscretions, the errors, where does it all come from? It comes, of course, from not feeling the presence of Hashem. Person only sins because nikmas baruch shtus. Foolishly, they forget that there's a God. But where does it come from? From a failure, a laxity in learning Torah. If Torah were informing and inspiring our life, if we were connected in Makushar to Torah, then we would feel connected to Hashem. But when a person doesn't have Torah in their life, Chevra, I can't tell you how much I've seen this. I can't tell you how much I've seen this. People who've acted out in ways that are at times irreparable, that are devastating to themselves and to people around them. It's because they're not connected to Torah. You could check off a lot of boxes. You could daven daily with a minion, you could give tzedakah, you could go through a lot of motions on the outside, but if you're not engaged in Torah learning, <coughs> and I'll go further, you can't just be engaged in Torah learning. Coming back to what we said before, but we didn't really say it because we want to use it sometime in the future. You can't just be connected to Torah learning for information. You have to be connected to Torah learning for transformation. You know how many people who learn the daf yomi for information? They learn the daf yomi to put a check next to daf. I did the daf, today's daf. Now I can go on to the fun things of life. I did the daf, I'm good to go. If you learn the daf for information, you could go from the daf to looking at things on the internet you shouldn't look at. You could go from the daf to doing things in business you shouldn't be doing. You could go from the daf, because if you're learning for information, not for transformation, you can go from there to terrible mistakes. Hashiveinu avinu to what? Lesora secha. If we're makushar, if we're connected to learning every day, that what it does, what it nourishes our neshama, what it does to bring us alive, that's what will calibrate our compass to make the right choices and to send us in the right direction. So nake lo yinake. You have to remember always when you say it, the, the targum. Nake lo yinake means for those who learn Torah, he forgives those who don't learn Torah, you haven't really come back. The litmus test, the metric, the measure have you returned, have you done tshuva, is, are you learning Torah? If the period of Yom Narayim passes and you're not learning more Torah, you haven't really done tshuva. Tainus Esther, any other minor fast day, where we're supposed to return and pass, and we haven't expanded our Torah learning, take on another shir, take on one more page, take on five more minutes, take on another chavrusa, take on, if you haven't taken something else on, tshuva is not to return to Hashem, it's to return to His Torah, because the path to return to Him is specifically how? Through his, through his Torah. Okay, still going backwards. Hope you're not dizzy yet. We're going backwards this week. At the Parsha Perspective Shear. Next. So, Perak Lamedalat Pasagalaf. Psalacha. Hashem says to Moshe, I want you to engrave for yourself. Fundamental difference between the first luchos and the second luchos. First luchos were fashioned and made by whom? Hashem. They were miraculous. The mem, sophis, and the samach, which are engraved all the way around, and what's in the middle should fall right out, it was suspended in place. It read the same from every side, every direction. What kind of a miracle is that? Who needs that miracle? I saw a very interesting insight. Who needs that miracle that it reads the same from every direction? Why is that a miracle? So, who said this? L'sitcha Elyon. The Sefer L'sitcha Elyon. Rashi says, Mishnei Evarehem. Hayu Osios Nikrosim Asim Nisim Haya. If we would write something, it can't read the same on both sides. It would read backwards on the other side. 
the miracle of the first luchos, it read the same from every side. That's a nace. That's worth Hashem doing a miracle. It's impressive. It's cool. You could sell it on eBay. What's so special? That's worth a miracle? So he says a great pshat. He says, you know, maybe you'll say, I can only read the Torah when you're in front of Torah. So Tamidei Chachamim, the righteous who read the Torah from the front, who have a good seat, who have direct access, they can get its message. Me, I'm behind. I'm behind the Torah. I'm out of, I can't see. I'm in the nosebleed sections. The way I live my life, no. The Torah is accessible from every direction. It doesn't matter where you are, how far you think you've fallen, where your place is in this world. Wherever you are, you have access. You could read the Torah from every side, from every perspective, from every direction. It's a very important message to remember. So the first luchos were miraculous. The second luchos were, who engraved them? Hashem. Which one lasted and which one didn't? The second one's lasted. Why? Because you see the ones that have our toil, the ones that have our effort, those are the miracle. Those are the ones that last. The ones that are gifted to us, they disappeared. Torah, the Beis HaLevi, as a drush, the Beis HaLevi writes that you see the second luchos were holier because they take amelas, they take effort. That's why the briskers don't serve arbis at a shalom zacher. Briskers don't serve chickpeas at a shalom zacher. Where'd the men come from to have chickpeas at a shalom zacher? They're round. It's a sign of Avelos. The baby is mourning that they learned the whole Torah in the womb with the Malach. And then they were tapped on the lip. They were caused to forget the whole Torah. And in the sense of loss, mourning for the loss of all the Torah they learned, we serve Arbus, the sign of mourning, like a lentil, like an egg, the roundness of the chickpeas at a Shalom Zacher. You can't serve hummus. It's got to be the round chickpea. Once it's hummus, maybe it tastes better, but it's not a round chickpea anymore. So briskers don't, the rubs, they said the minig was not to. Why? said, because you're not mourning. We're not sad. They were caused to forget. Because that's our mission. Our job is to be umul. Our job is to be memes atzmo. Our job is to study, to learn, to toil Torah, to kill ourselves on Torah. It was spoon-fed in the womb. That's not lasting. It's what we work hard on. It's what we make an effort in. That's what's lasting. lasting and that's not what we mourn over. I'll tell you an amazing netziv. The netziv in Islamic davar says a davar nifla. A few months ago, Nitziv doesn't say this. A few months ago, Art Scroll had an extraordinary seum. They completed the Schottenstein translation of Talmud Yerushalmi. It was a very, very, very long process. And at the Doral, they had a, we had a hurricane. It happened during a hurricane, but it didn't miss a beat. Everybody somehow flew in. They were there. It was fantastic. Remember, a few months ago, we had a quasi-hurricane. It was an amazing event. Super beautiful event. In fact, Mrs. Schottenstein's mother, who, who was alive and well, it, the, the event was on Kristallnacht. That's when they had it at the Doral. They told the story. She lived in Germany, and from her window across the street, she saw a shul, and she watched Svarim be burned on Kristallnacht. And now, on the anniversary of Kristallnacht, her family had sponsored the translation and making accessible the Talmud Yerushalmi that had been closed for so many generations. Amazing, amazing event. An extraordinary accomplishment and achievement. What our school has done for Torah learning, psh, my friend of Gedai Zlatowitz, his father, what they've done for Torah learning, Schoenstein family and all those who give, absolutely unbelievable. So we're sitting there and they're extolling the virtues of the Yerushalmi and they're showing these moving videos and we're crying and, uh, and um, Shweki singing. It was an amazing event. And Yecheveh turns to me and she says, No. I said, What? She said, You're starring Yerushalmi? I said, Yerushalmi? I, I don't know Bavli. I'm not starting. She said, But they're talking all about Yerushalmi. It's to start Yerushalmi. There's Yerushalmi Yomi, and now it's translated art scrolls, no excuse. They completed the whole Yerushalmi. So she looked at me like, no, you nothing, Gornish, nobody. You're going you're gonna to start the Yerushalmi? So for a little time, I felt a little guilty. Maybe we should do Yerushalmi. It's a new cycle of Yerushalmi Yomi and Yerushalmi art scroll. Maybe we should learn the Yerushalmi. We started in our shul, the Reichenbergs, in memory of their son, Corey. Allah Shalom, very special young man, tragically passed away last year. They dedicated every night, Stuart Silverman. It wasn't enough that he voluntarily teaches the Daf Bavli every night. Now he also teaches the Daf Yerushalmi every night. Stuart Silverman, unbelievable. So we have a Yerushalmi Yom. We have three Bavli Dafs a day. We only have one Yerushalmi Daf a day so far at BRS. Who knows, maybe we'll get there. I don't go. I don't learn it. Why not? Listen to the Nitziv. HaTalmud Yerushalmi v'Talmud Bavli mebechinas luchos rishonos v'luchos shniyos. U'kemosh luchos shniyos hayu chashuvim yosem min harishonos 
Kamochen Kocho Shaltamad Bavli, Godol Kocho Shaltamad Yushami. Sheesh the Tamad Bavli Koch Nifl Lahir Halacha Apis Manshan Yoshim, Bemechakim Bavel, Uvuchutla or Shein Baor Har Sakadosha. To Lule Koch Atamad Bavli, Lahia Efshur Lagia Sham or Hahura. Says the Yushami, written in Yushalayim Eretz Israel, Yushami is like the first Luchos. The Talmud Bavli is like the second Luchos. The second Luchos had the staying power. The Bavli is what's authoritative. The Bavli is what's binding. The Bavli is what we have to learn. And then I asked several Gedolei Yisrael, do they learn Bavli? I won't use their names because I don't have their permission. Do they learn Yerushalmi? Happens to be Rav Asher Weiss told me, he finishes Shas every year. He alternates years Bavli Yerushalmi. I said, Rebbe, when do you finish Shas every year? The Shiurim, the learn. He said, I don't have time to learn during the week. During the week I give Shiurim and I write. I learned 50 blad of Shabbos. So he learns 50 blad of Shabbos, and then finishes our Shas every year, alternates years, Bavli and Yerushalmi. But other major Gedolei Yisrael, I asked, feeling guilty, should I be learning, should it be an aspiration, Yerushalmi too? And many said, our Masorah is Bavli. Many great Rabbanim, you know what Yerushalmi's they know? Whatever Taisvist quotes from the Yerushalmi, those are the Yerushalmi's they know. Other than that, it's not necessarily. Nothing wrong with it. Those who've taken it on, it's beautiful, it's incredible. Tavu Aleichem Bracha. But I was very relieved to see this Nitziv. Don't feel bad or guilty. Don't feel bad or guilty if you've not yet taken on the Yerushalmi. You don't have to beat yourself up. And Nitziv says it as the Luchos Shniels. But, as usual, we didn't get to 90% of what I wanted to share, but I'll end with this. What was another difference between the, the first Luchos and the second Luchos? What happened to the first Luchos? smashed smithereens, broken into shards and pieces. They were kept in the Aron, by the way. Luchos vishivri luchos minachem ba'aron. There's a big lesson there about we hold on to the broken pieces of life. We don't discard them. We learn a lot and we grew a lot from the broken pieces. We hold on to the brokenness. We don't discard it. It's a big lesson there. But it was broken. It was smashed. What endured is still extant, even if it's buried underneath the harabayas. But what still exists? The luchos Why? So Rashi quotes and tells us, how were the first luchos given? First luchos were given bepumbi, in public. Pomp and circumstance and fair and fair and fair. It was streamed live around the world. All eyes were on it. Millions and billions and trillions of views. And when something has that, you know what it has? An ayin hara. And therefore it got smashed. But the second luchos were given privately. And that which is done samoy min ayin. Only things that are hidden from the eye, that's what endures, and that's what lasts. I'll get in trouble, but I'll say it anyway, because I already said one story about Yochavit. I'll tell you a second. We went out, and we were going to get engaged, and then we broke up for a little bit. We broke up for a little bit. We'll leave the circumstances out. We got back together. And she deserves the credit. When we got back together, she said, let's not tell anybody. Let's not go out in public places. Let's get back together because it was her genius and wisdom. She deserves all the credit and the shachanas for bringing us back together. And that's what we did. My sister was living in the States at the time, so we babysat her kid. You go out, we left the door open, there was no yichud, don't worry. But let's babysit. We figured out ways to get back together, but samay minayin. The whole world knows about something, and our whole world has an opinion about something, and the whole world is weighing in on something. The ayin hara sholei, it's very hard for it to exist. So that's from this parsha, Rashi and our parsha, the medrash and our parsha, medrash tanchuma. Because they were given in public, they had an ayin hara, they were smashed. Second luchos were in private. Be careful what you publicize, what you celebrate, what you draw enormous attention to. So based on this, we'll end with this. The Otsar Plus Torah says. How should you have Achnasa Sefer Torah? Sefer Torah today is our Luchos. Should you make it, oh, Geschmack, Gewaldic, huge, all attention, incredible delicacies, bands, symphonies, choirs, sound and light show, streaming. How should you do it? Sam Sofer said, Sam Sofer snuck his Sefer Torah into his shul. He didn't make a big hachnas of Sefer Torah. He said, you saw what happened to the luchos when they were done in public? We're going to have a very quiet, a very modest, a very private hachnas of Sefer Torah.
Luchas Rishonis, and he brought this down as the reason. However, this is what's said, a testimony about the Chassam Sofer. That's what's written about him, that that's how he gave it. However, however, the Chassam Sofer himself and his drushes, Chelek Beis, Hamatriach Atzma, Lizcho, Lavla, Lechtov Sefer Torah, Vosa, Pumbi Gadol, Zesimen Muvakshu, Yare Hashem. He writes that a person who doesn't buy the cheap, inexpensive version of a Sefer Torah, he hires the best Sofer, and invest in the base Sefer Torah, and makes the most extravagant, beautiful Achnasa Sefer Torah, that's a sign the person is a Yirei Hashem. They have Avas Hashem, they love Hashem. So, which is it? Is Sofer endorsing doing it publicly? Or did he do it privately and modestly? Tzorach Iyan says the Otsu Plaza Torah is a stira between what's reported about him and what he endorsed in his writings and his drushes for others. Now, the Minag Yisrael is to do Barova Madras Melech, we do it big, with a lot of music and a lot of fun, in a big way. And he quotes many sources that endorse that. So a person shouldn't feel guilty if you ever had a for Torah and you did it publicly, as long as you make it about the Torah, not about you. Is it about you or is it about the Torah? You know, they, they have Lahavdil Elif Havdals again. Is it, about, is it about the logo on the front of the jersey or your name on the back of the jersey? Do you play for the name on the back of your jersey or do you play for the logo on the front? So some people, you know, on the mantle of the Sefer Torah... What are the big letters? Your name? Or the Sefer Torah? Does the name go on the back of the mantle, on the bottom? You know, it was donated by so-and-so and so-and-so. Or is the name in lights that every time the Aron's opened, in huge font, who donated the Torah? So if the Achnas of Sefer Torah is all about you, your name in lights, then maybe better to give it Petzina. But if you're doing it to celebrate a new Torah, so then you can do it Papumbi, then it can then Tom publicly. We left a lot out. I'll just tell you, he quotes incredible things in here. When it says, Vayakala Amal Aaron, that Aaron got involved in the Chaita Eagles, he quotes in here, it was a different Aaron. Do you know that Rishonim would say it was not Aaron Akoin? It was a different Aaron? Never heard that in my life. Unbelievable. I guess we'll save it all for next year. He quotes in here that Moshe, tried to, Moshe wanted to kill Aaron for what he did. If you assume it was the real Aaron, Moshe wanted to kill Aaron. Unbelievable. Every year you learn the Pasha, there's new things in it. Have a meaningful fast, an easy fast, a happy fast, and you'll be happy in this fast. Lech Kenos Kol Yehudim. Go, all the Jewish people join the Biras Global Community with Achtos, be united in one. If you've not done your part, please, BRSonline.org slash global. I don't know how you enjoy the shir and benefit from it and from all the Torah sources we've quoted and not do your part. So please do your part. BRSonline.org slash global. Afrelechen Purim. Should be a fantastic poem. We should all have personal and collective gu'ula.